So about last week, uh, it was my intention the whole time to record an episode every single week after the NCAA tournament. And I was not in a condition where I felt like I could do that. Um, when I made plans back in like December with some of my friends here in Raleigh to go to Las Vegas for the final four, I did not think about the potential podcast ramifications of the final four. And, um, I have a tendency of staying just a little too long in Vegas, like 12 to 24 hours. And I felt miserable as soon as I got back. And I was like, I want to be able to record something, but I'm just not in a condition to, I felt sick, exhausted, just needed to take a break. Um, that being said, as someone who loved being in the sports book to watch NFL football the Sunday that we were there like a year and a half ago, you would have hated this trip. <laughs> like, wow. Just, wh- how come? <laughs> it was, I, I watched, so I watched the entire men's national championship game, which was like really the big thing was it's on Monday night, 920 Eastern time, but 620 Pacific time. So I was out to dinner at this place called Nacho Daddy, had a big fishbowl of margarita and an even bigger plate of nachos. It was awesome. The TV was right in front of me. So I watched more or less every minute of the game. The other five games that weekend, I watched maybe a total of five minutes. (laughs) Like I just did not prioritize the final four at all. I was like, okay, this is kind of a a waste of a reason to go this weekend. But at least I got to watch the championship game at dinner time instead of staying up till midnight like everyone else. If I were if I was in Vegas and and I was watching the college basketball tournament, I'm sure I would love it. But for this specific Final Four, there was pretty... Obviously, the way it turned out, there was really one clear option on who was going to win it all. And so the only intriguing game, in my opinion, and it came to fruition, was the Florida Atlantic-San Diego State game. Yes. And I... So I was at uh, Wet Republic Day Club for the game. And before I went, I was like, you know what? I'm going to force myself to actually want to pay attention to this game by betting $100 on Florida Atlantic money line. Because I was like, they can't possibly lose. They're such a fun story. They're going up against San Diego State. It's not like they're facing a powerhouse. And then they lost the way they did. And I was just like, I am staying out of the sports book the rest of the weekend. I can't can't deal with that again. (laughs) Last year... Like I told you, after uh, last year's tournament ended, you were talking about how, like, you obviously being a North Carolina basketball fan, or maybe just North Carolina Tars fan in general, but mostly really basketball, basketball. Of course, yeah. Uh, and how they beat Duke, uh, like obviously you have more at stake, and you, you were thrilled as ever about that. And I, and part of me didn't care, but then part of me was like, well, I was in a survivor contest and i saved duke for last and i made it all the way to like my, my entry made it all the way to like that you know the end of the tournament because I, I had kansas in the final four over villanova and then so i just saved duke for last and they blew it and so <laughs> part of me was like torn on that and this year was way 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 worse because i had florida atlantic for the final four round, saving UConn for last, and they and, and Florida Atlantic, uh, Florida Atlantic on the at the buzzer reader. 
losing at the buzzer beater to San Diego State was uh, as crushing as it got. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was one of those things for me where like every time I looked up, Florida Atlantic was winning, so I felt I good know. about it. I was I like, thought, all right, at least I'm gonna win some money back. You know, yeah, in addition I, to everything I was spending that day, and then for that to happen, and immediately uh, I had several people text me about San Diego State winning, celebrating, and I'm just like fuck all of you guys like i just lost money on this team you yeah, just filled I, out a bracket like, yeah i felt the same way uh, about that where it's like i didn't think it was actually over but it, florida Atlantic got to a comfortable lead in the second half i think they were up 14 right yeah, they were up by as much as 14 so a lot had to go wrong in that game like literally everything went wrong in the last 10 minutes of that game where they they missed they missed so many easy layups they couldn't rebound the basketball for their lives they they, they gave up I think four offensive rebounds off free throws in a row. It was absurd. And they just missed so many easy shots. And that freaking golden guy, he had, I think he, I think he (laughs) played really well in the elite eight, but he Uh could not have played worse in the final four. Uh, He was completely useless. And yeah, it was really just a one man show for Florida Atlantic in that second half. Um, And San Diego state, I don't know. I just, I, I, I hate, I hate that they made it as far as they did because I feel like, so they beat Alabama, they beat Creighton, and they beat Florida Atlantic, and all good all teams that were really good that had really great offenses. But I feel like when I look at those games, I look at the opponent losing more than San Diego State winning. Like yes, they're a top team, a, yeah, fair elite defensive team, but I I can't help but look at the opponents and like Alabama like was a complete no show. Brandon Miller going three Creighton, for nineteen was not just because of San Diego State's defense, yeah. And then Creighton, they they must have shot like what, like twelve percent from the three point line. Right, and that, that was what carried them all tournament to that point. Exactly, and and then Florida Atlantic, Florida Atlantic, unlike the other two, played awesome for a decent stretch, but the last ten minutes or so were as painful as it got. <laughs> yeah, and then of course on the title game, San Diego State finally comes down to earth. It went like ten minutes in the championship game without scoring or like yeah, making the, a field goal. Is I, I didn't watch I didn't watch a single fun. second of the the final. And I'm I I just watched the box score and was watching other like movies or whatever and I just yeah, occasionally look at the box score and I noticed like, oh, it's a five point game. But I didn't even bother. I still thought like, you know what, I, this is this is still a, Yeah, for a moment I thought over. they were gonna come back there, but yeah. I mean UConn they were the most dominant team this tournament. They won every single game by thirteen plus points. I yeah. don't put them in the same category as oh nine North Carolina, eighteen Villanova, because those teams did the same thing winning all their games by a dozen plus, but they beat better competition. Than UConn okay, beat. I was gonna say eighteen Villanova. Um, it was similar to that, but yeah, but like they both of those teams beat four teams in the top fifteen. They beat teams in the top ten. UConn beat Gonzaga. So just based on the final AP pool ranking heading into the tournament, UConn beat right. Gonzaga, who was number nine, and then uh, Miami, San Diego State, St. Mary's were sixteen, eighteen, nineteen. So four in the top 20, but like barely in the top 20. They just beat a bunch of five seeds. And I don't want to discredit how dominant they were. Uh, I just, it feels like they took advantage of everybody else. Everyone's weaknesses. Yeah. 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 And I, now they're the favorites heading into next year. Uh, They have a strong recruiting class. Credit to Dan Hurley. He was able to turn around that program. I mean, (laughs) what's Kevin Hawley up to these days? Like, like, I, is he even coaching? Like things are horrible no at the end. There, it's still a great program that they've won. Yeah, three five titles in as many years. Five and, since ninety nine. Right, and 
they did it with the, their last three have been with three different three different coaches. head coaches. Yeah, which is really insane to think about. But yeah, I mean, credit to UConn. They were definitely like they showed up in this tournament early in the season. They're looking like one of the best teams in the country, as high as number two, one of the last remaining unbeaten teams. And I think. It was easy to kind of read into their January, but February, March, they stepped up and showed that, you know, that one fluke month wasn't who once, they were. I still, I, I, I always enjoy the tournament no matter what, but I will say once Alabama lost, just looking at the rest of the teams that were left, uh, I, I didn't think, it was really UConn that like deserved to be the favorite, like clear favorite once Alabama lost to San Diego State. I guess Texas maybe, but even they blew a big lead versus Miami. Yeah, I think UConn was in a league of their own when it exactly. came down to it, you know, heading into that, you know, second half of the second weekend. I remember like all the sports center graphics like, oh, 12 out of 16 teams have never won a championship and six out of eight have never won a championship and just kept getting down and ultimately you end up with the team that wins it every that few years. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, overall, looking back on it, definitely was not my favorite March Madness between my bracket being terrible, not really having any of my teams do anything. And like, I don't hate UConn as much as I used to, but they're still down there for me when it comes to my favorite versus least favorite teams in the country. Yeah. Like I'm kind of lukewarm on UConn men's. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, Uh but, uh, yeah, I, I, I really, I enjoyed it. I, I always enjoy it, but I totally understand that. Like, yeah, if you're, if your bracket, uh, wasn't great i mean mine wasn't much better um and then and then yeah just both of us being on fau uh in the in that in that game versus uh san diego state was definitely the, the yeah. killer but even uh, so like it's still plenty of upsets still really unpredictable and that's what makes march madness yeah of course and like i'm not gonna say it was a waste of time or anything but it's right. like i don't look back as fondly you don't look back as fondly as, as like others. the one last year yeah, right. Last you had four year, blue way, blue yeah. bloods in the final four, and the biggest rivalry in college basketball just it just happened to be meeting each other in the final four for the first time ever. And it's at Coach K's last year, and the team that you're pulling for wins it, and in a really great game too that came down to the the the, the final minute. Yeah, yeah, you summed it up perfectly. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, um, that that was the men's side of things. I, I think honestly, the women's Final Four might have even been more all around entertaining, I, I, controversial. Yeah, just... yeah, if if you take out like our interests, uh, like you with Vegas and me and my Survivor contest, like if you take out that kind of stuff out, the women's Final Four was. Uh, I'll admit the championship I didn't watch just because of when I looked at the box score and I see that they're losing. Iowa's losing by 20 to LSU. It's like, all right, well, I'm not, I'm not going to tune in yeah. now. Uh-huh. Um, but I would have I would have turned tuned in if it was a much closer game. But after and I see, don't it was in the middle of the afternoon. I didn't know that it was in the middle of the afternoon until yeah, I got back from brunch. And it, like, I don't it was 1245 for me. And I was like, I thought it would be like a three, four o'clock game like normal. Right, and I agree. I, but, I that 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 caught me by surprise, too. Yeah, because uh, because I did watch uh, I watched Iowa versus south carolina yeah you watched that was a really good game i mean yeah, not no. for you but but like <laughs> i was as, like as, a, the, as a as a non uh, yeah neutral fan like neutral I get fan it. yeah it was good i would i mean just talking about iowa south carolina so gamecocks had an incredible season going undefeated just won the national championship last year so it softens the blow a little but it really sucked 
for this game, it happened. I was going to dinner. I was able to kind of follow my phone, but I wasn't, you know, streaming the game the whole time I was in there. And I shortly after the game had ended, I like finally pull up Twitter, was starting to scroll through, and it sucked seeing everyone else so happy about Iowa, seeing Caitlin Clark go off, and it's like I've been a fan of her for over a year now, and I can't enjoy this because she just defeated she my the, the unbeaten one team, team that your your team of all yeah teams. like for going into the tournament i said if the gamecocks lose you know they don't win at all i want it to be iowa i didn't want iowa to beat the gamecocks so <laughs> that was yeah not very fun i mean kayla clark's an unbelievable player it just really started all it took was seeing like a few highlights of her last year knocking down like 40 foot threes just casually pulling up in the middle of a game for no reason and burying it it's like this is a phenomenal player yeah and, she's awesome she's definitely yeah. a great player she, she i mean like I, I i don't watch any women's basketball <laughs> and even i was like wow this is like she's definitely awesome she would destroy me in a game of basketball <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's oh, no two ways about that honestly um, my my current take is that she could make it on a g league roster just based off of her three-point shooting alone just like someone you could like throw out there for a few minutes say you know what, pull up from half court and see what happens i think that she could she could hang um in like an actual men's professional league because of that yeah they're but, definitely i mean kobe or kobe had a hotter take on on uh some of the women's players like saying that they can play in the nba like i, I don't i wouldn't go that far but yeah like there there are a few like her and uh, like Tarasi or Della Don that like, yeah, I could Brittany Griner maybe yeah like, there, handful, there are definitely some that I'm like I could see them on a G League team or you know what something like that right um, yeah and it's it's probably like another one that's probably a little too hot of a take but part right. of me feels like Caitlin Clark should go down as one of if not the greatest women's basketball players ever just based off of the social media reactions alone because normally when you see you know, ESPN, Bleacher Report, whoever posting things about women's sports. Like the comment sections are just you know oh, misogynistic, it's, it's brutal. The, like the the meme of the the guy that that puts on like on the jumpsuit, and then you see like him walking through the doors, and it says comment section at yeah, the top of the door. Uh, like that's anytime, like you said, uh, Sports Center, ESPN puts out a tweet about women's basketball or any women's sport. Yeah, it's all these sexist, misogynistic uh, tweets. Yeah, anonymous, that, right? They don't have names but, attached to them. With but when, her. It come, when it came to this women's tournament, people legitimately, including myself, tuned in and were interested and yeah. really cared like on who won and just what like happened at the end of the game too. Play. Yeah, of course. Like Everyone was enjoying seeing Caitlin Clark play. And then, of course, against LSU, it was like that led to so much controversy with... Uh, of course, Angel Reese was at the center of it. LSU's dominating Iowa. She's getting all up in Caitlin Clark's face. And overall, I don't have a problem with it. Like, I think, like, it's that's just natural competition. Like, she's someone who had been hearing all year long, all tournament long, about how great Clark was, how great Iowa was, and she's happy to beat them. I thought it was a little weird to be doing it in, like, the final seconds while your so teammates that, are celebrating a title. That's but... what... That's where I pause. Where so you see her do it the first time, where she does the John Cena, like now you see me, now you don't thing, like mm-hmm. the, the hand gesture thing that he yeah. does. Uh-huh. That one, if she just did that once, I'd have been totally fine with it. Like, who cares? Uh, I I've seen, you know, Chris Paul shimmy at Steph Curry <laughs> after <laughs> Steph Curry did it, uh-huh. and and Steph Curry talked about like, yeah, if you 
shimmy like you gotta be be able to take a shimmy back and it's like all right, like if she just did it that one time i'd have been totally fine with it but i thought it was just so cringy when she did it for like the final 20 seconds and just straight up yeah. followed her and taunted her and doing that gesture and and then like I, don't, I just found the last 20 seconds of that really cringy and it's not, it felt, not the greatest. Yeah. It, not was, the, it was a weird move at that time. Like it, at that point you got your, your uh, you know, celebration or whatever, uh, not your celebration, but you got your trash talk out of the way. Like, yeah, you, I think you trash talk is great in sports. Now it should it be about it, the celebration. And yeah, I, I just think there are moments where it goes too far. I, I don't know. That, that's just me. Yeah. I mean, I, so that that being said, like I I was rooting for Iowa in this game. Not only was I rooting for Iowa, I was rooting against LSU. Had nothing to do with Angel Reese or other players on that team. I'm just not a fan of Kim Mulkey. I hate Kim Mulkey. I can't <laughs> oh, stand her. Funny. She's she's like to me like the embodiment of Karen in like a perfect like a sports setting. Like that is exactly like who I would picture as Kim Mulkey. So yeah, pe- people don't. People definitely don't like her, and I can I can see why. I I, I didn't mind her clothes. <laughs> I mean, you probably <laughs> hate them, but I didn't mind that part. But yeah, I, I, yeah, seeing some clips of her, you know, bitching at the refs and being straight up on the court like it was six yeah. on five, like that stuff's not great. Yeah, I mean, um, the officials are terrible in this game. Regardless, I, I heard like, I didn't even get to see uh-huh. it because I was when I was going to tune in. Tune in. I, I looked at the box score and I see that. LSU's up by a gazillion points, and yeah. when I look on social media and see that everyone is talking about how bad the refs are, it's like, oh man, I'm not, not bothered yeah. tuning in now because uh-huh. it's already over, and it's uh, sounded like it was rigged too, <laughs> right? Uh, it's, I don't I even know. The, I saw the Caitlin Clark technical where she just she took the ball and she like threw it behind her back, and it's like, wow, yeah, she got a tech gave, for that. Right. Like, no wonder why people are pissed. Yeah, no, it was definitely not a great look. And it, it, it is kind of unfortunate that that was a big thing. But at the same time, the fact that the Women's National Championship game was going on and the whole world was complaining about things actually related to the game and, like, this was, like, front and center. I think this is a huge tournament yeah, for women's basketball. Yeah, it's a huge step for, for yeah. women's basketball. I don't know how sustainable it is. I think, that well, is, next year, uh-huh. the same players from both teams are are coming back. Like, they're not even yep. entering the draft. So the, the interest will still be there next year, assuming – both teams and in the star players they advance further into the tournament again mm-hmm. and possibly yeah, and each other again. Gamecocks yeah. are losing some talent. Uh, you know, Leah Boston and, and her recruiting classes, um, you know, all seniors, they're all moving on. But it uh yeah, it it's it's definitely like a good time right now for wins basketball. I'm curious how they build on this next year. Uh, um, I guess Well oh. one one thing to mention, uh See, so, you know, another thing I didn't like about LSU was that I don't know who it was besides Angel Reese, but they were talking about how like they were so disrespected about how Caitlin Clark and others defended South Carolina, and I found that to be so cringy too. It's like if anyone's going to be disrespected, it's the the South Carolina point guard that was because you remember Caitlin Clark, she like shrugged off the. Yeah, the, the point guard because she couldn't shoot for her life, and mm-hmm. it's like if anyone's gonna be disrespected, it's her. <laughs> like not yeah, right. anyone LSU. Like they wouldn't defend her the same way, defend defend their team the same way as they did to the South Carolina point guard. So I, yeah, I, well, I, and I that, that, that was part of too. part of the whole argument with um, Angel Reese and like you know Caitlin Clark did the same thing, so it was just yeah. taking it again. And she said, "Look, they they won, they deserve everything." I also love how both Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark were like. Yeah, Iowa should not go to the White House like that. Oh, when I saw so, that, I was so like, Are you I'm kidding glad you me? brought that up because I was about to. 
I I <laughs> I hated another thing I didn't like about her is that uh she declined she didn't she wasn't gonna go to the White House but then all of a sudden when LSU accepted the invitation and then like all of her teammates wanted to go it's like all right well I guess I'll go and it's like <laughs> I, I I don't know I found that cringy too because because she she thought what Jill Biden said was racist like that so. Her- I mean, she was not a fan of the comment. Basically, the whole idea was that Jill Biden was like, I want Iowa to come to because they played such a great game. They were such yeah, great she, sports that, exactly. about she, it. She wasn't... I mean, Jill Biden's kind of clueless in that, like, bringing two teams over to the White House. Like, That's no, it's not a how one it works. Team thing. It's for the winner. She just wanted to celebrate, uh, you know, how great... How how popular women's basketball got? Yeah, I know, and I this, I get, this is the like, longest I've ever talked about women's basketball. <laughs> no, and I I totally <laughs> I understand the intentions, but at the same time, like the whole idea was, if the result was the other way around, would she have said the same thing about LSU, or was it, uh, oh look at LSU like showing up Iowa's players, like let's let Iowa come here because they're being great sports and defeat. That was the whole issue that Angel Reese and maybe some yeah, other because Kaylin Clark is had. a star. Like, like yeah. the biggest star. Yeah, no, I, I totally, so I get it. I can see it from that angle. I just, it seems like she just took it to a racist point and to the point where like she's, it's like she sees Obama, Barack Obama's, uh, you know, congratul- congratulatory tweet on LSU winning. And she's like, oh, this is my president. Like, just, <laughs> yeah, like, well, I. I didn't like that stuff. Yeah, I um, I mean, I, I'm in agreement with Adrian Reese on how that played out. I think it, it's just one of those things that you wouldn't see that in a men's tournament situation. So it feels like it, it's something that was reserved for women's. And then the whole think, racism I, aspect is that LSU is mostly black. I was mostly white. I don't right. know. Like, I don't necessarily think those are the intentions of I, the I first think lady. I is just... Clueless for lack of better yeah, word. probably. But I also I understand Angel yeah. Reese being upset about her being clueless and throwing that out there. So, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think it was racist. I think she's just clueless. <laughs> That's it on on That's... the on the subject. Okay, <laughs> we, bring yeah. in two teams. Like, no, uh-huh. it's just one team. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I get it. There's a, there's a lot that could be said about that. I, I think that covers our bases. We ended up spending a little more time in the final four than I thought. I don't yeah, think I, I just, could have had that conversation in my condition five days ago. So I'm glad in some ways, but no, it's just uh, there are moments where I enjoy the trash talk, uh, like we just, like I mentioned with Steph Curry, like and Chris Paul. But like speaking of Steph Curry, like I, I remember last year in the finals. You know, speaking of pointing to the ring finger, like he did that to the Celtics crowd, I was totally fine with that because Celtics fans were like saying "fuck you, Draymond," and he, he took offense to that, and and he, you know, he carried them in the final few games and and pointed the ring finger. Yeah, speaking I, I of totally uh, fine with trash talk and revenge, what are your thoughts on what happened at UFC 287? Did you see that with uh, Israel Adesanya? I did not know. So apparently, so he fought um, Alex Pereira. I guess he lost to him three times in the past. He finally beat him this time. Um, When he lost to him like five years ago, he got knocked out. And Alex Pereira's son went into the ring and like laid down next to him. His son was five years old at the time. And he did this. And now... Five years later, his 10-year-old son is crying watching his dad get knocked out. So Israel does the same thing, points at him, and then does the, the sleep thing oh on the goodness. mat. Oh, my goodness. Just like, <laughs> this is a wild, wild, wild. thing. And it's like, yeah. in some ways, it's hard not to be like, man, that's great revenge. But it's also like, we're talking about, like, 
a small child here. <laughs> it's just, you're doing this to a kid who's crying after watching his dad get knocked out. So that's another one that has like a little bit of controversy. I saw some people kind of bringing it back to the whole Angel Reese thing. Yeah, that's that's a that's an example of. It, sometimes it goes too far. <laughs> uh, yeah, it feels like it. You know, it's like, oh, I'm getting revenge. Like the kid was five years old. Like you know, if the kid was in high school, then I think it's fair game. But <laughs> feels a little too young to be doing that. So. Anyway, with that, let's talk about things that are more recent, which happened this past weekend. And, of course, we're going to start with the Masters, 87th edition. And I don't think it's hyperbole to say that the greatest tournament in the world was just won by the best player in the world, with John Rahm taking home the Masters this weekend. That's totally fair. He's won, I think, four tournaments now <laughs> this this year. Uh, he won the Century Tournament Champions, and then... American Express Open, two two tournaments that are like complete birdie fest, but then he won the Genesis. That's a tough course, uh, Tiger's course or Tiger's tournament, and then uh, and then yeah, like the Masters. Uh, so John Rum's definitely having an unbelievable year. Definitely deserving champion and deserving world ranking number one. But even so, look, I I'm always interested in the Masters, no matter what. Just being a golf fanatic, but I will say it was. It was kind of a dud. It was more interesting than last year because Sky Scheffler was so far yeah. uh, ahead of everybody that... Like, like even it, going into the final day. Like even going into the final day. Like Cameron Smith like had some chance, but Scheffler pulled away so far ahead of everybody that just really made for a dud of a tournament. And even though Rom wasn't winning entering the day, he obviously got off to an early lead and nobody could catch him. And it... It was a good tournament, but it wasn't like the last great one was Tiger winning, because you can make a case the last four have been semi duds. Where you know DJ he won with a twenty underscore, and it was it was he was five shots ahead of second place, and no one was there because of the COVID uh, you know pandemic, and so that was a special case. So that was whatever like understandable, but then you see Matsuyama win, but like no one could catch him because Xander puts it in the water and. No one else could take advantage, and and then Scheffler, you know, he was so far ahead of everybody. And then this year, like Rom, yeah, he was he was ahead. He got he pulled ahead of of Brooks uh, on Sunday, and really no one made a move, or no no one really, uh, you know, contended with Rom. Rom really, you know, took advantage of some of the holes and got off to a good lead, and he just played it safe throughout the rest of the tournament and. It's great that he won. He's awesome, but it's at the same time it's like, man, I wish some other guys contend like Speeth and Phil. You know, those they guys were made some awesome big runs. on Sunday. Yeah, they but they were together. so far back. And those that was probably the most interesting part of the of Sunday was that those mm-hmm. two guys made a run and Phil even finished tied for second, which I never would have <laughs> just out of nowhere. Never yeah. ever would have expected of Phil uh-huh. at this point in his career with everything that's gone with him with Liv and yeah, and you yeah. Know what else. It's been a, it's been a long two years since he won the. You so know, the I PGA. never expected Phil to be up there, uh, and then Speed always finishes the back back door top fives or tens or whatever, especially here, or, or like at Augusta. So that one didn't surprise me as much. But that was the most interesting part was like those two guys making a run for it, but because they were like twelve shots behind or something like that to start the day, 
Like they were Didn't just matter. too far behind yeah. to even make a run for it. So, yeah, and I, I think that's I think it's fair to say that you know it loses some of the allure at the end when there's not really any drama. Um, but or it, enough again, of it. Like, like there's there was some drama, uh-huh. but there wasn't there, enough. It wasn't enough, slightly more than last year, but still like not a ton by the end. John Rahm is just he was awesome in, in this weekend. He literally started out by four putting on the first hole and then ends up winning the Masters by four yeah, strokes. I, just Yeah, I, yeah, he started four putting he, he started off with a four putt on the first hole and then he finished with like a eight underscore. I don't I don't remember under I don't Probably remember what his score under. was on yeah. six under. Okay, whatever his score was, four he, he birdied for... basically uh-huh. like ha- the rest of the hole. He either part or birdied the rest of the holes. <laughs> like after that uh, bad four putt on the first. Yeah, hole. I mean he still finished with a sixty-five in round one. <laughs> like that was his his best his best uh, day. So yeah, just a really impressive effort by him this weekend and. Yeah, I mean, he's someone who I think entering the tournament, he had like the third best odds because he was kind yeah, of in a bit of a dry so, spell. But So Scotty, Scheffler, Rory, and Rom, they're the clear top three entering the tournament, and they still are really. But, you know, Scotty and Rory, they had better tee times because the, the AM, the, the PM AM wave, you know, the guys playing in the afternoon on Thursday and playing in the morning on Friday benefited from the weather. And Rom was like the one guy who played in the PM on, on uh, Friday that was not affected by the weather. Cause he saw guys like, like JT he shot like six over on his last eight holes to miss the cut and help tiger get in yeah. <laughs> to the weekend. And he's just one of the many examples that, uh, struggled throughout the weather so Ram is the one guy that so it makes it even more impressive uh his score because he got the bad draw of the weather but especially compared to Scotty and Rory uh I think I mean it's it's really hard to repeat uh especially like at the Masters so uh you know so like it's been 20 plus years since someone repeated so I figured Scotty as well as he was playing wasn't gonna win just because it's so hard to repeat uh, but Rory, I mean, what a disappointment that was! Like all yeah. this hype, uh-huh. all, all, like all this hype that came into him coming into the tournament. Uh, you know, he wants it so bad. He, it's the one major that he hasn't won yet. And when you f- combine that with he's been really adamant uh, being against uh, the Live Tour, like of, of, of all the players, he's the one that's been most against it. And it's really the first competition where all of them are together. Uh, and and he pulls out with a plus five to miss the cut. Like that was by far and away the most disappointing result of anybody. Yeah, there were definitely the coming in. Uh, no, I totally agree. There were definitely like a handful of disappointing performances, but Rory has to be up there as number one. Just especially last year on Sunday, how well he played. It just felt like okay, he was like starting to figure things out. He just didn't have enough time too far behind Scotty Scheffler, and now. For him to not even make the cut, like especially like you said, everything going on, it probably just... works against him. Like you know, some people say that it's it's great motivation, but maybe it's just too much uh, to handle that. Like, like man, this is the tournament that I need to win because he has three FedEx Cup wins and all this money, and he uh, he's won. He's all won the all three majors. other majors, yeah. But like this one's like circled on the calendar. Like I gotta win this one and. Maybe it's just too much to handle. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for some guys, there are just some some tournaments that they just can't figure out. I he's mean, played, Phil Mickelson, he's played well 
at at Augusta, but uh, obviously can't close out. Yeah, two being of the able last to three win years, it, think, he's uh-huh. completely no showed and missed the yeah. cut. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's unfortunate to see because I think Rory just with the whole PGA versus Live thing has like he was already a really popular golfer. Now he's he's Mr. PGA Tour. Everyone loves him at this point. Who's a big fan of the PGA Tour, and you know people wanted to see him play well. And you look at some of the other favorites. A lot of them, like you know, obviously John Rahm killed it, and you know some of the others weren't perfect throughout the weekend. But you still saw them finish, you know, top ten, like near the top of the leaderboard. And for Rory, and I didn't make the cut. There's just not a great look for him and really disappointing performance yeah that was definitely disappointing another thing that was working against rom heading the tournament is that even though he was in that clear top three tier with those other two guys he was coming in with the worst form which sounds crazy because he was winning all these tournaments but then at the arnold palmer uh, invitational he got off to a great start but then he had three bad rounds in a row and then he had to withdraw at the players over yeah, he was sick an illness or something, yeah. whatever, whatever it was. And then he didn't, he didn't make it out of the group stage of the match play. So like that was three events in a row where he wasn't, it wasn't optimal, uh, not optimal results for him. And so there was like some cause for concern as along with the, the, the tea time draw. That he yeah. Did. Yeah. And I think that was a big reason why his odds were lower than some of those, you know, other guys those other there. Two guys, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, he he still pulled it out, and you know I don't know what it is, but it, it sounds like there's a big trend of Spaniards playing great on Easter Sunday on yeah. Seve Balacero's birthday. Like he, John Rahm in um in uh, bunker cabin was like saying or Butler cabin. He Butler was saying cabin, all yeah. the yeah he was saying all the history where it's like oh like this guy his first tournament this. I think Seve won. I think it was Jose Maria's first tournament. Seve won. And then when Jose Maria won, I think Sergio Garcia Sergio was a low Garcia amateur. Was amateur. Yeah. yeah. And he said when Sergio won, he Rom, that was his first tournament. So it's just a good trend right. there. And it, it feels like it always aligns with Easter Sunday. And it was like the 40th anniversary of Seve's win in 1983. So, yeah, just, you know, something, the stars were aligned perfectly for him to be able to pull it this way. And I know it meant a ton to him. So, and yeah. He even his, requested it, the the tournament in the future to be just, just on Easter be on Sunday Easter every Sunday. year. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that that was a that was a fun little moment there. Um, and yeah, Jim Nance pulling out all the, like these like little factoids. You also have the his son is named Keppa, and he beat out Brooks Kepka. Just like yeah. just another thing. Like oh, of course, so yeah, so he's um, clearly his dad. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So anyway, I guess talking about Brooks Kepka, you know this the obvious joke of the masters isn't only 54 holes like live golf. Yeah. But overall, I think live performed well in this tournament. They did. I I remember coming into the tournament. It was definitely a a big talking point of if the, if the live guys are going to play well or not, because you know, they don't play as many tournaments. And then not only that, but they only play 54 holes now instead of 72. And I don't know. Some, some of the live guys just play really well at, the masters to begin with and and yeah factoring in motivation for them i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure a lot of these guys were motivated like not just brooks because brooks won the live tournament in orlando that week heading into the masters and then you know patrick reed someone that everyone hates he finished top (laughs) five like Uh so and then so did phil mickelson with his crazy that's by far the most surprising (laughs) result no Uh question uh, like he had no form whatsoever, like on the live tour. Like he was playing terribly there, and so yep. I, I, I mean, 
course knowledge, I guess, is the one factor. That yeah, I mean, he's won the tournament three times, so. But at the same time, he's won under. <laughs> like, heading into uh-huh. the day, I had no. Just had an awesome Sunday. Exactly, yeah. So he's the one live guy that probably benefited from uh, 72 holes <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and not yeah, 54. Right. Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah no, so, overall, so Brooks, I think, Phil, uh-huh. Patrick Reed, a few other guys. I, yeah, I, I yeah, forgot. I forget what the final numbers. I want to say like eleven out of eighteen made the cut. So, yeah, yeah, Reed, Phil, um, and yeah, Brooks. Reed, Phil, Capco were the three in the top. Those are six. the top. Those are the clear top three. Yeah, yeah, I think there was like a little bit of a drop off after those guys, but still, like Live, Live, Tor showed they out played, here. They played better than people expected them to. Yeah, yeah, of course, and I. I I don't know what the future of that league is. I think like there's a ton of problems there. Like they're not getting ratings on the CW. They're not making money. That it feels like some of the golfers there are starting to inch their way back to the PGA Tour. Greg Norman probably he would just has re- to go straight up retire <laughs> if the Live Tour ended. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, but I think um, there are a couple other names that I saw were like strongly considering going back to the PGA. But yeah, I think that there's. Uh, you know, there, there's still a rivalry there, but in the end, like we're still going to see these guys compete when it comes to some of these major tournaments that they've played in before. And uh, some you of know, these it, guys, uh, so guys like Brooks, Patrick Reed, and Phil, they looked they looked obviously good, but motivated to, to mm-hmm. play well. But some of them, I don't think, are motivated at all. Like the, the older guys that have no shot. That's that's one. But you know, someone like DJ, <laughs> he. he uh, <laughs> He had an interesting weekend. Like after playing, he had a 71, 72 in his first two rounds, but then he shot a 78 and then a 75 in the last two. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, like maybe, I don't know if DJ's motivated anymore because, I don't know, he's won all these tournaments. He's got Paulina. Yeah, he's got all this he's money. He's already from... won the Masters, too. Uh-huh. He's someone that, he, he's one of the like the top golfers where I I would worry about in terms of motivation. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely a lot of guys who are like that. I mean, the whole thing with Brooks Kepka was that he's someone who's really good at golf, but he doesn't love playing golf. So joining the live, but then still competing in the majors is like it a might perfect be smart thing of, for of him. all people. It <laughs> might work out for him the best because uh-huh. he's someone that has never really done much at all, like outside of outside majors. of the yeah. Uh-huh. If you take out the majors, he's someone that really doesn't contend in other tournaments, and so. Yeah, just play crap golf um, and get paid a bunch and then play in the majors and actually play well and get paid a bunch. So it might yeah. actually work out for him perfectly of, of anybody. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely disappointing for him to blow the lead heading into Sunday, but for him to still finish tied for second in this tournament, you know, with everything he's kind of gone through here, I, I think it has to feel yeah, good it's, it's in a lot of regards. It's definitely a step in the right direction because I'm not sure if you've watched the documentary yet on Netflix. No, I still I, need I mentioned, to. I've mentioned to you already that in his episode, uh-huh. he just acts he he, he just, just acts sad, sad right? the entire yeah. time. Uh-huh. Uh, like I don't know if I can get my game back. I don't know what I'm gonna do. And it, it was the it was last year where he really struggled. Um, no matter what tournament it was. So yeah, so for him to regain form is definitely a a positive sign for him. I I will say though I. Yeah, he he did kind of choke it away in that last round. I didn't like how he handled the post game after. Where it was the second time now, where I remember when he lost to Phil in the PGA Championship a couple years ago. He talked about like, yeah, you know, the win favors someone like Phil, uh, being a lefty, and like me, these all these other excuses that I didn't care for. Uh, and then and then same thing with this tournament where yeah, it's like I hit some great shots, but I, I you know I had some bad luck like. 
Yeah, maybe at times, <laughs> yeah. but I think he, he did, also uh, just, you could he he didn't birdie a hole for like twenty plus holes in a row. It's like Yeah, he birdied his ma- first hole a day on s- Sunday in the third round and then like you said, maybe he basically had some bad maybe him. some bad luck, but like no, you just blew it and you never gained back. His the, first tee shot to start the fourth the fourth round, like the official Sunday round, was horrible, yeah. and he still salvaged a par out of it. So I thought, like after that first shot, I was like, "Oh no, this is gonna be bad." And then he turned it around. I was like, "Okay, maybe he just had to get it out of the way." But yeah, it, it was not a great day for him. And I also didn't love that post. I want to say post game, you know, post round yeah, press like, or whatever I, you want to call it. I I don't I I definitely don't dislike. I don't love Brooks, but like you, but but no, I I've lost some of my interest in him. With yeah, him going and to live. and then like I've also lost some of my interest in uh Bryson. In, uh, Bryson. For the same yeah, yeah, I mean, oh man, yeah, I get it. I mean, at least Brooks is still good at golf. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, Bryson man. like straight up sucks. Now. Yeah, ever since that, it's a par sixty-seven for me. Yeah, comment. he's just never worse. See, I kn- I know what he mean. I know what he meant by that, <laughs> but even so, like you can't uh, say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he's. I mean, he he's broken completely. I don't know if he'll ever gain form. I think he can, but at Augusta, I have zero confidence, especially when everyone, you know, shits on him with the par sixty seven comment. Yeah, even though he, that was so long ago now. <laughs> like I um, know, and he's had too many tournaments disappointing since then. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just glad he didn't shoot like sixteen over par like last year. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he missed the cut, uh-huh. but like, only by like a like one stroke or whatever. Um. And, and I don't know, I, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, now when it comes to Brooks's comments afterwards, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't care for the some of the excuses he made. But I will say one thing: I'm a hundred percent on with him is the group ahead of him took I was gonna forever, say, yes, and yes. I gotta say, so the, so Hovland and Cantlay were in the group ahead of him had nothing to do with Hovland. No, no. I was going to say, <laughs> like, was, can't you just, like, of all the excuses Brooks made, can't you just blame his performance on Patrick that, Cantlay? Yeah, that one, that's the one excuse where I'm like, yeah, you can complain about that one as much as you want because, oh, my God, their group was so slow. And, again, it wasn't because of Victor Hovland. It was because, 100% because of Patrick Cantlay. There were, and I noticed this right out of the gate where, so so the first tee shot, Cantlay hits it right in the fairway, and Victor Hovland hits it into the woods. And Patrick Cantley is lining up for his second shot. And he's taking forever. And it's like it's a he's in the middle of the fairway. Like, dude, hit the ball already. And he finally hit it. And then Hovland, when it was his turn, he took a he took much less time. And he was in the freaking trees. Uh and Hovland it got to the point where Hovland was like walking to the next hole. He was hole. on the thirteenth hole <laughs> and Patrick Kelly is walking up the fairway to the green and Hovland's already taken a shot. Like he's, it's definitely even, even Hovland was getting impatient. Like there was a, there was a point early in the tournament where he was already walking to his next shot and Patrick Kelly mm-hmm. is still, you know, looking down, <laughs> looking, Oh God, that guy bugs me. I have a new, I have a new least favorite player on tour and it's definitely, yeah, him. it seems like everyone hated him. Oh my God. He took so effing long. Uh, I mean, even baseball is faster than him now. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> baseball games flying by this weekend. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I guess just real quickly, just one last thing on women's basketball, Leah Boston, number one overall pick to the Indiana fever. I didn't know the WN draft was tonight, but you know, congrats to her. Go Cox. <laughs> so anyway, um, do you want to talk about Tiger? I mean, look, I didn't. 
what he did this weekend is basically what I expected. He, he make the cut, and then and then withdraw because look the the weather definitely does not help Tiger at this point in his career. No, because, no, cold and rainy is not something he should be playing in. Right, like so when you factor in the weather, because the weather, like you said, it was raining and it was under fifty degrees out, and so like that does not help someone like Tiger at this point in his career. And look, I I remember watching him at the. Genesis Invitational, like you know, his tournament, the one tournament he played all year before the Masters, he can hit all the shots. Like if if he had a cart, like, yeah, I, he could he would He's still be able to play. Too much like, pride I, for his it. His caddy but... said that, and it's it's actually something I agree with. If he had a cart, and Tiger has too much pride to use one, but they mm. wouldn't even allow it anyway. But if he had a cart, I, I think, think they would just... make some tournaments. I think would make an exception for him. I mean, John Daly got to use a cart in a tournament. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh-huh. Uh, if Tiger could use a car, I think he could still be up there on the leaderboard. But when you when you factor in like how many hills there are at the at the at the course, and with the weather delay, he would have had to play, you know, twenty plus holes mm-hmm. uh, on multiple days, and it's like that's just not going to cut it for Tiger. And you already saw him limping it halfway through the, you know, halfway through the tournaments. Like, yeah, th- he's going to withdraw at some point, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he says he has plantar fasciitis. I heard, according to Jason Day, he had a screw come loose in his yeah. knee, right? It was sticking out I of his that. skin. That sounds horrifying. That sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know there was a thing that could happen. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, he's he's in rough shape right now. It's sad to see. I mean, the, you know, just out there, it, he's putting in he's lucky everything to be he alive, can as a golfer. Really. Oh, I know. <laughs> so. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. But it's, it is... I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. I, I've heard some people say that he should keep playing golf because whenever he doesn't play golf, bad things happen to him, like all of these, you know, car crashes and DUIs and things. So, oh, I, I've said I've said it's a horrible take, but I've I've said before that uh, when he was at the top of his game, he was uh, you know, doing his thing. Like, oh yeah, just a post Thanksgiving two thousand nine. It's it's been a, tough. <laughs> Uh, and, and so I'm trying to say is that maybe uh, he should get back on that game uh, off the off the course, and then that'll improve uh, his game on the course. Yeah, there was that report that. that came out not too long ago about like one of his girlfriends like suing him or something over I saw like, an that. NDA. Like, yeah, that, I, I don't remember the full details, but yeah, I don't know what to so. think of that one. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it, it was definitely tough to watch this weekend. I I do think that just from the full golfing aspect, Tiger still is able to play, but you know his body is just not where it used to be, and he's good enough to make the cut, but you know he's he feels like he's still a little too young to not be able to finish four rounds of golf at a major tournament. Yeah, that, that it was bad. It was it was hard to watch. I guess, uh, you know, somewhat related note, something that was cool to watch was Fred Couples making the cut. 63 years, six months, oldest golfer to ever do it after Bernard Langer a couple years ago. So uh, we had really both ends of the spectrum with Fred Couples at 63 and then Sam Bennett not only making the cut as an amateur, but finishing, what, top 10 in the tournament? Yeah, top, he was top on the 20. final pairing with Brooks and Rom on Saturday. Yeah, just <laughs> so incredible just performance. I mean, maybe maybe the, maybe the one tournament is, but like, it wasn't just a, you know, like one like hot round. Like he he was really in contention. I mean, mm-hmm. he, not that anyone expected him to win, but the fact that he no, was in the not. final pairing uh on saturday is is quite the accomplishment and and then yeah to finish as high as he did because usually when an amateur when when they whoever is the winner of the the amateurs like they finish like 40th something Mm -hmm. he finished high for 16th 
Yeah, and that's that's a good accomplishment for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's a cool moment for him. I know, like Sunday, he was just saying, just incredible experience, just walking to the 18th green and just seeing, like, getting the roar of the crowd and everything. But uh, at the same time, he is very much an example of nil and its effects on amateurism versus pro game in golf it doesn't apply to football and basketball i mean he's someone who like he was complaining about how his agent couldn't get credentialed to get into the tournament he was wearing all these sponsorships like he's he's someone who yeah he's not winning money from these tournaments and him playing golf but he's certainly already reaping the benefits of being a professional golfer at the college level so that that's an interesting thing and i, I think that's something we're going to continue to see i don't know if that means you're going to see more amateurs play better in the tournament there's he's still a college kid he's still on monday was like had to play in the aggie invitational 36 holes <laughs> who the hell is calling at this <laughs> that's annoying that's absurd yeah. Anyway. Anyway. But yeah, it was it's definitely it was definitely cool to see him, uh, Sam Bennett at the top of the leaderboard for as long as he was. But yeah, when it comes to the amateur players, like they don't they don't get the best credentials. Like I remember an amateur several years ago, his name was Stuart Hagestad, and when he won the the you know, when he was the top amateur for the masters, I remember Nance asking him questions about like, Hey, what are you gonna do after this? Like, uh you know, go back to work at Merrill Lynch. <laughs> like he just <laughs> Wait, played what? the Masters, uh, yeah, and now he has to go back to work. And just, yeah, they don't they don't get the when you're when you're an amateur player, like, you don't get the greatest credentials compared to pros. Yeah, which Rightfully I mean, that, so but it, that it's, makes it's, sense. It's yeah. so drastic. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I I just think like the whole you know the college nil aspect is just like. It's it's gonna see some kind of differences. I don't know that necessarily means that these like you're gonna see every year a player like Sam Bennett finish high up in the the you know tournament standings, but it is still uh, it's an interesting thing to to kind of consider here, and it's something that applies to not just you know the the major college sports. It, it definitely applies across the board to the best of the best. So right. So I think that's all I have on the Masters. Any last comments? No, I think we covered everything. All right, cool. So I guess with that, let's move on and go back to basketball, the Soundless Sock NBA, as the playoffs are set to get underway, starting with the play-in tournament this week. And, you know, before we get into that, I feel like you got to mention the Game 82, wild Sunday. In terms of everything that happened on the courts and, like, in unreal performances from, you know, young players who don't get shots, guys like Udonis Haslam in his final regular season game after a 20-year career. And, of course, the big story of what happened in Minneapolis with Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson getting into a fight on the bench. Reportedly, Gobert was playing through some type of injury he suffered the day before, and Kyle Anderson, his teammate, was yelling at him, why don't you block a shot? He said, why don't you get a rebound? Shut the fuck up, bitch. Punches him in the chest. (laughs) He's kicked out of the game. And then from there, J.D. McDaniels, one of their best defenders out of frustration, fractures his hand. It's just... 
what, what uh, I don't even know what to make and of this. And they won the game. They won the game anyway. <laughs> they won the game. They somehow came it, back it, to it, beat the Pelicans. Yeah, and, it, it took Carl Anthony Towns to turn to Steph Curry, but <laughs> but they yeah, won. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, man, just like it feels like a perfect finishing touch to this Timberwolves season where it's like they are still alive. They could go out and beat the Lakers at the Staples Center. This, you know, huge upset, what it feels like. And they're in the playoffs as a seven seed once again. But this is a team that you go out and trade, what, four first-round picks on top I've, of I've, other players for Rudy Gobert, and then I've this is how it ends. I've always hated that trade. I've, <laughs> I've never understood that trade when it came to trade compensation for a guy like that and then the fit, like not even the, 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 the best fit for a team, a team that already has a true center. I mean, look, Rudy Gobert, he's a... He's a good defender. He can rebound the basketball. At least some people think he can. <laughs> um, but he doesn't have the greatest offensive game. And to trade, I know first round picks, most of them are useless if they're not if you're not picking in the top five or ten or whatever. If you're not a lottery pick, really, most of them are pretty useless. But still, to trade four of them for a guy like that made no sense to me. And it's it's even worse than I thought it would be. Oh I mean, yeah, like, game eighty two of the year, and he's already. Uh-huh. Rudy Gobert's punching teammates. Like, I don't know what's going to happen there. But, uh, yeah, he's suspended for the playing game against the Lakers. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for Minnesota. (laughs) But, you know, coming into the year, I had my doubts about the fit. I had my doubts about what they gave up. I did not expect this trade already to look like one of the worst in NBA history. I thought, you know what, if this all works out, Minnesota is very much a contender heading into the year. And it just does not feel that way. It was not a great season for this team. And I I think that it's only a matter of time before they're knocked out of the playing tournament. And they have a long offseason ahead of them because of that. Yeah, I don't have confidence in them beating the Lakers. Maybe the Pelicans or Thunder, whoever they, assuming they lose, whoever they face in the next play-in, uh, maybe they could win. I, I just don't have faith in them gaining past the first round. Like, no, definitely not. Yeah, definitely not at that like, point. Like, no matter but... who they face. Even even Memphis, a team I'm never high on. Even <laughs> uh-huh. them, like, God, I remember last year. Like, they, they should have they won that series. But they lost in six, and I, I swear, every time they lost in that series... It came down to a Timberwolves implosion. <laughs> yeah, well, like, they have one game where they blew like a twenty-five point third quarter lead. And I, I know they had like a couple other instances where it was just like everything went wrong. So it was just, it was just a team that could not close out, and yeah, no. they're, they're they're a mess. Like they're even worse. Than, uh, not that no, they were half decent last year, and they finished with like almost a similar record. Uh, but I don't know. They just they look worse this year than than last year. I think the expectations probably because there's higher, higher. expectations. Yeah, this exactly. Year. Yeah, so. I'm not going to say that I'm straight up rooting for the Lakers, but I won't be upset if they win and just keep Minnesota out yeah, because I, 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 I'm, Lakers would be more entertainment in the playoffs. I feel the same way. And another thing is, if so if if it's Timberwolves versus Pelicans, I think, yeah, I think I would take the Pelicans. I mean, they had they finished Yeah, even the though record. they did lose on Sunday, but... Zion, yeah, I mean, he's hurt again, right? They, like so, He hasn't played since January 2nd. Yeah, right. I mean, the Pelicans went from, like, one of the best teams in the West looking like a legitimate finals contender to now, I don't have much faith in them. I think they're going to lose to the Thunder. I think they should beat the Thunder, and they should beat the Timberwolves. But yeah, the Thunder I, were supposed to be, especially the, without Holmgren, they were supposed yeah, to Yeah, they were really supposed to be in the lottery, yeah, and the, the one beyond a sweepstakes, and now they're on the verge of actually making the playoffs. So That's wild. Yeah, <laughs> incredible season for them. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, well, the reason why that happened, uh, them being in 10 seed, is because 
Oh you yeah, know, right. It, it took a team uh, needing to <laughs> tank, like legitimately needing to tank. <laughs> uh, yeah. The oh man, the, the Dallas speaking Mavericks. of bad trades. Yeah, that right there. You go. That actually might top the Rudy Gobert trade. Just, I mean, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but this oh, what team, a disaster I, that was. I, yeah, I never really believed that they were going to end up missing the playoffs entirely, like missing the play-in tournament entirely. So. Even the, even me, the, the biggest Kyrie hater out there, even I, uh, even my expectations weren't low enough for them uh, after <laughs> uh-huh. that trade. Uh, I thought it'd be actually like a half, it'd be like half decent for a bit, and and then flame out. I just I didn't yeah, think right. straight up miss the play in though. That, that's wild. And then yeah, yeah Luca. I mean, yeah. I look, look, look. Kyrie is definitely a, a just the worst, the worst teammate ever. But even Luca is not the. Like he, he's he's fun to watch. Great offensive talent, but he he's kind of like, I don't know, the Carmelo of of our era. Where he's he, he's a he ball stopper. Do shit on defense, or yeah, I guess maybe he's... James Harden's a better comp. Yeah. yeah, I think James Harden's a good one. Yeah, yes, I agree with that. I think he's someone who, like, he he has all the talent in the world. Like, but he's he can a terrible score leader, like and he other, doesn't. Yeah. he doesn't do shit defensively, and uh-huh. kind of about kind of about himself. But at the same time, like, there aren't any great players on Dallas outside of him. Like, it's it's a drop off after him. Yeah, if only they kept Jalen Brunson. Yeah, but his dad had to step in apparently <laughs> so yeah that's uh very disappointing also like the fact that the mavericks pulled what they did like on slovenia night where so many slovenians like traveled to this game and they they had the mindset that you know what we're gonna play luca in the first quarter we'll trot him out in the second he'll score a basket and then he'll take an intentional foul walk off the court to a big standing ovation from all the fans and no that did not happen all the fans were confused like what is going on like are we supposed to cheer right now should we boo that this is what happened to our season and yeah that's just i feel like that's a maverick season in a nutshell of like what is happening with this team like how did this happen they they should right they (laughs) they should be forced to not have that pick it could happen. The NBA opened an investigation. Yeah, they're yeah it. investigating already, and they, I think it's as clear as day that they were purposely trying to lose that game, and they shouldn't even have the pick back. Like that's what you get for trading for an asshole like Kyrie. Yeah, oh, it would be so annoying if they end up getting like a bunch of lottery luck, and you know, end up with one of the top picks in the draft. I, I can't see it happening. They're still the tenth pick, but yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I'm I'm sure that if they were if they still had the pick like they'd just get the tenth one anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that that was the West playing tournament. The East playing tournament is it feels like kind of similar to the West in that you have one really like promising yeah, looking I, team and a handful of teams like yeah this is go either way and I think it's relevant to the Celtics because they're the two seeds so yeah, they're gonna play I, I one have, of them. I have the exact same opinion where there's one team that's definitely better than the other three and then we'll see what happens with those other three teams and I I hate that I'm I'm very confident that's going to be Miami and I hate that just because Miami no matter what like even I I, the Celtics are the clearly talent more talented team than Miami but for whatever reason Miami they know how to play the Celtics they they definitely are well coached and they they play hard and and Jimmy Butler is definitely a winner uh so Look, look, the Celtics, they should win in four or five tops, but it's going to be annoying and it'll probably take six or seven games. I'm, I'm already penciling in Miami winning. Uh, okay. And you, but you'd rather see Atlanta win? I oh, for sure would rather see Atlanta win. I, it would, it would so. be a, a, the Celtics would blow them out. 
So from that perspective, I get it. Like Atlanta is a way more favorable matchup, but I almost want the Celtics to beat the Heat and prove that they can actually take care of them because I think the Celtics. See, are I would like that basketball. too. I just don't believe. No, and that I, they I can. get it. I it sounds great in my head, but then if they go out and just get upset in six games, it'd be like just the biggest tragedy ever. Well, but I, I think that the Celtics are going to, like like you said, they should beat look, look either Miami year, or Atlanta. They were the two seed, and there was. All this talk about hey, should they should they be the two seed? Because if they are, they have to play Brooklyn, and Brooklyn's a really tough lower seeded team. And then they all of a sudden they just swept them, and it wasn't even close. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so yeah, they proved think- that they could beat a tough team. But I don't know. It's just Miami for so I get long it. now. Uh-huh. Like they they just know how to compete with the Celtics. Yeah. No, it's the whole Heat culture and like all that bullshit. And I, <laughs> I don't like the Heat. So I would it, when it comes down to it, the way I'm looking at it is not. Who do I think the Celtics have a better chance of beating? It's who would I rather watch the Celtics beat, and I'd rather watch Celtics beat the Heat. See, I and... see, I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that too. Like, I would rather yeah, say no, beat I, the uh... Heat. Uh, didn't mean to rhyme that, but yeah, I, <laughs> I just don't. I just don't believe that. <laughs> I believe they can beat them. I just uh-huh. don't believe that they can sweep them. No, I, I totally understand that. And I I would have had a similar mindset going into last year against Brooklyn. And like you said, it, it played out with a sweep. But the Nets, that Nets team is so much different than this Heat team. Whereas exactly, that Nets yeah. team was just like a disaster waiting to happen. This Heat team, they're never that way. And they, yeah, they, they found able, ways the, to win when you don't expect them to or to compete. The Celtics when you don't were able to, to. to really force Durant to take really bad contested shots. And once they were able to, you know, take out their best player or limit their best player like it, it was really just downhill for them uh like after mm-hmm. kd like i kind of oh, felt yeah. bad for kd <laughs> last year <laughs> or even just the entire nets well maybe not entire nets uh time because he did pick Kyrie. uh he did yeah he did he, to team up with so i can't yeah it, it, i don't really him, feel bad for it, it came KD. to a point where I'm like wow this guy really has to do everything on this uh-huh. team now I, I think if it maybe in some ways i gained appreciation for him but I don't right. feel bad because it was. I think that's doing. a better way to put it, right? Uh-huh. So, uh, I guess anyway, uh, first round is going to be underway. We know four of the matchups. There are four potential ones out there. I guess what do you, which one are you like most intrigued for? Most excited about of you know all the ones that are set or potentially set? You'll probably agree with me, but I I really do like the Suns Clippers matchup a lot because obviously one of these teams is going to lose in the first round, but I think you can make a case for either team being a finals contender. Maybe more I, so the Suns than the Clippers. Uh, I would pick the Suns, assuming KD is healthy. But even even if KD was not healthy, I would. I, I think it'd be a really close series. I just think with KD, it I would take the Suns. But I just think if if the Clippers play to their ceiling, then it could be a really really uh, interesting series. Yeah, and I, I was I'm glad you picked them. I I agree with all those points there. The, the Clippers are a team to me they're such an enigma because I feel like this is a team with like 60 win potential that's in reality like a 45 yeah, win team. And, yeah, I that's why I favor the Suns for sure. If Katie were healthy uh is healthy yeah. for sure them, but I just think well, if the Clippers if they played their potential it'd be a great series. I think it, I think it still will be. It just I don't believe they can get past them because I don't think they can. Pl- I don't think they will play to their ceiling. And for, uh, like you said, the they yeah they have sixty win potential, but they also know how to blow it too. 
<laughs> yeah, no, they every single year it feels like. And, you know, Suns are getting bailed out and that playoff P won't be ready for the start of this series. <laughs> so just I, I love it. At this point, Paul George is like, hey, you can't get made fun of in the playoffs if you don't play in the playoffs. That's so. a good point. <laughs> Uh, but no, going back, like I, I'm glad you picked that matchup because they. This is my number two. My number one is a different Western Conference matchup, and that's Kings Warriors. And this is one that I feel like this can go a lot of ways. I'm excited to see what happens because this is one where you can look at it and say, you know what, the Kings were a cute story, like very fun this year. Like they're a fun team. Things are looking up in Sacramento for the first time in. 15 years, but it's the Warriors. It's Seth Curry. It's Clay Thompson. It's Draymond Green. They're just gonna go out and win the series in four or five games and go on a big title, do, you know, dominant run back to the finals. But this is also a team that went what 11 and 30 on the road, and I don't think Sacramento is a joke. I don't know if this is a great matchup for them just because of you know the whole Warriors mystique, experience, and everything. But I'm I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out because I think th- this is one where if Golden State just shows up and dominates right away, it's like all right, the Warriors are legit. But if they're struggling, then it's like oh. I, I don't know. I think that this West is a lot more wide open than some people want to believe. So I'm really intrigued by this one. Um, I think in terms of Golden State, to me, I don't think they're going on a finals run without Andrew Wiggins. It sounds like he'll be back at some point here, but he hasn't returned since end of February. So For whatever, I do think he's... Whatever the reason was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. A lot of, lot of rumors a lot, about a lot that. A lot of bad rumors uh-huh. about yeah. why he was out. I'm sh- I, uh-huh. I'd like to think it was... I mean, I mean like it's, it's bad news, but uh-huh. I'd like to think it was because of the dad's medical issues and not that other thing that was mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. But he, to me, he is the X factor. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is one that I think it's hard not to be like, oh man, like what are we going to get out of these two teams? Because I think that this is one, it could just be a dud of a series, but it could also like, I I think, I I think the Kings are terrible defensively, uh, even as good as they've been this year. Yeah. I'll admit I'm, I'm that guy that when you started out (laughs) with your point that like, yeah, some people, uh, you know, think the Kings are a cute story, but Golden State should have no trouble. I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally <laughs> Put me in that group. Uh, uh-huh. Even though, yes, the Warriors have absolutely sucked on the road, I just think at some point they're going to turn it around. I don't want to say they're going to go all the way again, but I, I, I do think this round they shouldn't have any trouble with the Kings. That, that's just yeah, I, I would, I would pick Golden State to win. Honestly, I kind of have a similar mindset when it comes to Phoenix and the Clippers. Is that I just believe in the Suns more than I believe in the Clippers right now. And like, I think that if that series is a blowout, it's because the Suns is like, okay, this is the team that we expected when they traded for Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah they, they um, traded, they got KD, and they didn't have to trade either. See Chris Paul, Devin Booker, or DeAndre Aiden. Yeah, I mean, Mike Michael Bridges has been awesome. He's been, yeah, like, he's been great. <laughs> so maybe it know, sucks that they uh-huh. didn't have that they traded the him instead of those other guys. Uh-huh. I mean, well, I'm mean, obviously Booker. You're not going to trade. Yeah, but, but no, but it, I think that um, overall the Suns can't regret it if no. Kevin Durant plays and he plays like he has. Like, have they lost when he's played for them? I know it's only been like ten games. I was going to say, but... were they like two and zero? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, it's very small. It might not even be ten and zero. But yeah, they uh, they they've been great when he's been on the court. Um, so here's here's a fun fact. So. Um, Guess what year the last time the Kings played a game on ABC was? It's gotta be that. It's gotta be that era where they had Stojakovic and and Mike Bibby. 
2007. Two, oh, I was going to say 2003. Two, <laughs> no, because, well, yeah, so they last made the playoffs in 2006. 2007 was the last okay. time they played a game on ABC. The, okay. Their first game, Saturday night, is on yeah, ABC. So, 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 so I'm really underestimating this team, not knowing the last time they. Uh, I mean, played. I just found that out today. But okay. yeah, they. So going into the year, my one of my bold predictions for the playoffs was that the Kings would make the play in tournament. And I was way underestimating this team and just how good they could be. I, I mean, mine was the Grizzlies. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, mine's I mean, I, worse. I also if said you told the me Pistons, John Morant would be suspended too, oh, I would have been all over oh, it. Oh, yeah, right. I think it's impressive. I'd have been like lottery team <laughs> uh-huh. if you told me John Morant would be suspended and for the reasons that. He got suspended for. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I said the Pistons would make the play-in tournament, and they ended up with the worst record in the league by five games. So <laughs> they also lost their best player for the year in November, but still. Um, and then I guess, like, just to throw one out there that I don't know yet, but in terms of all the play-in teams, like, obviously I'd be excited for the Celtics, but whoever the Lakers play, assuming that they have win one of two games at home, whether it's the Nuggets or the Grizzlies, I think that series is going to have a ton of yeah, intrigue. I, like everyone's so, being like, "Oh, are this sneaky team? Like, are they on upset alert? Like, is are the Lakers about to go on a run?" Yeah. So Suns, Suns Clippers is my number one. I think my number two would be whoever the Lakers play. Uh, if it's, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just this Memphis thing for me. But if, no, if I it's, totally if, get it. If it's Memphis versus the Lakers and and Anthony Davis is healthy, uh, I I think I would take the Lakers. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I. You know, it is. It could be. I look, think it's it fair like to say ago, that I, they were the uh, seven seed and they faced Phoenix, and everyone. I mean, Vegas had had the Lakers as the favorite in that series, mm-hmm. and the Suns still won because Anthony Davis got hurt. That's true, it but big, that's why I made factor. that caveat that yeah. if Anthony no, Davis course. is healthy, uh-huh. then yeah, I would, I would take. I think I'd take the Lakers. Yeah, and I imagine that both the Lakers and the Warriors, despite being lower seeds, will be favored in those first round series if it does end up being, you know, Memphis. I, I still think the Nuggets would be favored over the Lakers, but even that's one that could be looked at as a toss up where I think if Denver plays Minnesota and New Orleans, that feels like an easy or Oklahoma City feels like an easy first round series I, for them. I, I I I'm really hoping the Lakers uh I hope I hope they beat Minnesota because if because I, I can't imagine them missing entirely. So Me neither. Gonna, so I th- I think they'll get the seven or eight seed. I think at the eight seed. I, look, I I like Jokic. <laughs> I know he's probably not the greatest <laughs> defender, but like I would uh-huh. that would suck to see him in that team lose in the first. It'd be like oh, da- it'd be like Dallas when uh, Dirk won the MVP and then they just lost. Yeah, the, and they lost go- to the Warriors. Yeah, they lost to the Warriors and not the Warriors of now, like the the, the, no, the Baron Davis, Davis Monte uh-huh. Ellis version of the Warriors. Yeah, but it would be way worse because they just lost to LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the right. Los Angeles Lakers like right so yeah yeah that's why part of me is just like just beat Minnesota just exactly. go play Memphis if you beat John Morant and the Grizzlies then all right whatever Warriors I probably would be root for the, the Lakers <laughs> which sounds <laughs> terrible but and that, I definitely the wouldn't but like I wouldn't be as distraught like that's what I'm looking at with this Lakers pass is like they could face all these teams as like I don't care if they beat them but i'm not I don't gonna think pull gonna out happen. like a lakers foam finger or anything but <laughs> but between them and you know jo- uh-huh. john morant uh and the grizzlies like you, you just yeah know i mean there's no it, yeah there there are a lot of teams in the west that like you can say oh they're not like very fun to root for no, right for a variety <laughs> oh, of reasons know, i don't know which i mean denver and 
I mean, Sacramento with their story, but after that, I mean, look, the Warrior, uh, the Warriors, look, yeah, they beat the Celtics, but I mean, they're, I have they're, no they're a legend. They're, they're a dynasty. Yeah. Like they're, they're yeah. like, I hate to say it, but they're probably the most likable of the good teams. Yeah, I mean, I I, I hate totally saying that, but that. I think it's true though of, of the uh-huh. West. I mean. Well, especially the fact that they weren't as dominant this year as they were supposed to be. Like it yeah. feels like they're under the radar in a lot of ways. So, like, yeah. oh, I, you know, I, I, totally I mean, Denver agree. is probably the most likable good team. Yeah, well, I, think, like, I don't I mean, believe in Denver can make a finals I, run. I agree even. with that, but I think a lot of people don't like Denver because they're tired of Jokic winning MVP every year just and then not doing nothing in the, in the playoffs. I could yeah. see that too. Yeah, uh-huh. I think that's like a collective issue so uh, anyway we'll continue to talk more about the nba playoffs as they go along uh for now let's kind of get ready to wrap this up with a few quick hitting topics here uh so let's talk some nfl we had some big news involving the baltimore ravens no it's not lamar jackson but odell odell beckham jr is a baltimore raven just out of nowhere it felt like he was set to meet with the jets and the raven said hold up we're gonna give you 15 million dollars guaranteed please play for us i don't know what my expectations are of odell i I think he gets he just gets so much hype because of the name everyone loves odell i guess outside of me but (laughs) (laughs) well Um, he also i mean his on-field play like just he has moments like of course the big catch he made and then a handful of other things like the super bowl it it always bugs me but two of the last three years he's torn his acl he's he's been dealing with injuries and he's he's now 30 and but by default, because the Ravens' wide receiver core is so freaking bad, he might actually be their number one receiver now. He might be the most talented receiver in Ravens well, history. I mean, they have Mark Andrews, so like maybe he'd be the number one wide receiver, but he'd be the number two target. Uh-huh. So, but still, yeah, most likely, still not the greatest receiving core. And no. I mean, he's getting a decent amount of money for someone that's been as hurt as a lot of money for someone who hasn't played uh, by week one. It'll have been what, 19 months since he's been on a football field. I think it's an overpay, but at the same time, the wide receiver market is growing. Like the the top guys are getting in. Uh huh. You know, no, I mean, Odell now. for 15 million could be a steal if he's the Odell of old. You just don't necessarily know what you're going to get with this guy. Yeah, but you, you could you could get the Odell of of old or like Sammy Watkins. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, another another Ravens. Another signing. another 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 big name receiver that showed up in Baltimore and did nothing. Yeah. So to me, I think the bigger story that comes out of this is what does it mean for Lamar Jackson? So Lamar posted on his Instagram story a screenshot of him FaceTiming Odell shortly Saw after it. the news broke. The Ravens tweeted it from their main account with a devil emoji. So it kind of feels like it He's, probably means Lamar's coming back. But under what circumstances? This is a one year deal. Like I don't think like, oh, they trade they signed Lamar or Odell to a one year deal. I'm gonna commit to them long term without fully guaranteed money but i do think like now the idea of him just playing on the franchise tag and then becoming a free agent next year maybe is a little more appealing there's just it it, it amazes me but i thought there's literally no market for lamar outside of just playing under the tag again and I think a lot of it comes down to the draft picks you'd have to give up. I think if post-draft, if there's a team that comes away from the draft saying, we didn't get the quarterback we wanted, let's take a shot on Lamar and see what happens. I do think that would change things. But at so, this point... So you think if if he were to leave, it's going to be post-draft? Yes, that's or, what I think. 
I that yeah that that's my mindset right now because I mean there there are only so many teams who are interested in a quarterback and they're all going to be in position to draft one for right. the most part. So I think they want to see how the draft shakes out and see okay are we better off using a pick on a guy you know use trading picks to get a rookie or essentially trading picks to get Lamar Jackson. So I think at that point teams will become more desperate. So like May first is when you'll see something happen. If he doesn't just decide, you know what, I'm going to play for the Ravens for this year with Odell and see what happens. (laughs) Again, I, yeah. Not just Uh Lamar, but also Rodgers. I I don't know what's taking so long. Yeah. Maybe maybe make for a more fun draft. I do wonder. There have been some uh trades, (laughs) some big trades in the past couple drafts. Um, yeah, yeah. Rumors. I mean, I I don't think Aaron Rodgers is getting traded on draft day. No. Like, I feel like it would happen either before it or right after. Maybe the the Jets will find a way to keep their pick this year and trade future ones instead. But I think um, there's a small possibility this Odell thing changes things because he was gonna go to New York and most likely sign with the Jets and play with Aaron Rodgers, but. I don't know. It, it sounds crazy for Rodgers to be like, you know what? I can't play with Odell. I'm not going to the Jets. I'm going to retire. But what does Rodgers do anything that isn't crazy? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, uh, I mean, those, those are two quarterbacks that are making rumors. And then another guy who feels like it's all over, you know, local media, even international, is Mac Jones. And he just. The controversies, the rumors, the reports just don't go away. I think some of the latest ones, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk saying that the Patriots have been actively shopping him. More and more reports coming out saying that Belichick was not a fan of his attitude, the way he handled things in the building. And I believe I mean, he what, shopped them. I'm, I don't think it's still an ongoing thing. I'm, I'm just totally guessing, I, but I'm I would sure he did shop him a little that. bit. Um, just to just see to if see any teams what are interested was out there. and uh-huh. see what he can get. Uh, I'm, so I'm sure he did shop them, and and you know nothing nothing great in return happened, and so so he didn't pull the trigger. But but yeah, the, the rumors just won't go away. And but I I definitely I think we can all confirm though that Belichick did not love how Mac Jones handled. Yes. Last season, but rightfully so because he was he de- he got dealt with uh, two of the dumbest coaches uh, <laughs> uh, to coach him offense on the offensive yeah, side and, of the ball. You know, I think Belichick is no one to blame for that other than himself. So yeah, so I, I've said this countless times that yeah, Mac Jones did not handle last year well, and he deserves some blame for from it. But it's it all st- it starts at Belichick to think to think it would actually work, and then he could easily say. He could easily come out and say, you know what, last year like I screwed up, I handled this wrong, I did this and that wrong, like it was my fault, like don't blame the quarterback. But I think he, I think he looks at it and says, you oh, know, the quarterback didn't buy into our system, and so, you know, <laughs> you know, it wasn't my fault. What for what happened last year it was his, and so I think, look, yeah, Mac Jones has some immaturity issues. I think Belichick, even at seventy freaking years old, is still a little bit of an egomaniac. I'd say that's checks Massive out. egomaniac. <laughs> he was asked uh, uh, recently, about a week or two ago, by by local media, like you know, what what would what would you say to Patriots fans, like you know, to gain more confidence for next season, like you know, yeah, give give Patriots fans more confidence for next season. And he said, you know, just look at the last twenty five years. Oh, great. 
You know, you know what we also had those last, you know, 20 plus years, Tom Brady, you know, an actual, <laughs> you know, quarterback. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, and- uh, I, I think there's no way to look at that comment other than like, seriously, like that's that what we have to look forward to is things that we used to have. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. Like you Belichick deserves to coach until he doesn't want to coach anymore because of what he accomplished with the Patriots. But I also understand like eventually it's going to be like a Jim Beheim at Syracuse thing. So that's a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see what the Patriots would gain from trading Mac Jones right now. Cause unless they're going to be serious about just tossing absurd money at Lamar Jackson, what's plan B just make Bailey Zappi the full-time starter draft the fifth best quarterback again. Like it feels I mean, like you got to run I mean, it I out with Jones and Bill there. It was, it was fun, but <laughs> I know deep down it wasn't uh you know, long-term thing. It was just fun for a time. Yeah, he, great for the Matt Patricia offense. I don't know that he can run the O'Brien offense as, as good. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that we'll continue to hear more stuff when there's dead time in the offseason. That's really what it feels like right now when it comes to Mac Jones and, you know, everything with the Patriots. I fully expect him to be the week one starter, and then it'll just be he has however many games to prove that he not only should be the starter the rest of the season, but, you know, long-term in New England. So, I mean, next year is a big year. That's yeah. An understatement. Yeah. I, I think it's a yeah huge, huge, huge year for him. So uh, I guess in happier news for Boston sports teams, the Bruins just set the NHL record for most wins in a season at 63. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It'll just make it more painful when they lose though. <laughs> <laughs> the playoffs. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. No, look, it's a, it's a cool record. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, to have the most wins, or is it t- is it tied or is it actually, no? They broke it. They broke yeah, it they right. Broke it so officially, to have the most wins of any team in the history of the NHL, that's it's a it's a cool record. It's a cool accomplishment. It's a team record. Uh, so it, it's cool, but at the same time, obviously everyone knows that the ultimate goal is to to win the cup, or else it's a bust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's a whole you know seventy three wins don't mean a thing without a ring sixty three wins don't what mean a, a thing what without a, a ring. What a turnaround for Don Sweeney though. <laughs> Just a year ago, everyone wanted him out, and now he's literally GM the best the season year. ever. Yeah, it's it's insane. Like that that's the like insane thing about this is that. You're not even just setting this record, you know, 63 wins, still have a chance to win two more games. And the fact that the Bruins entered this season with so much criticism about how things played out last offseason, moving on from Bruce Cassidy as head coach. And yeah, of course, Don Sweeney is like the hot um, seat. Uh, Mitchell Miller. Miller. Yeah. Yeah. With Uh With all the, you know, background stuff that he had. Yeah, and then, like all the guys like Charlie McAvoy, Brad Marchand, they're supposed to be hurt. They weren't going to play right away, and they end up. Right, you know, I yeah, think they were all suited yeah, up. Marchand and one. McAvoy came, especially Marchand, came back way uh-huh. earlier than I expected. Yeah, I mean, this whole idea of this being like the last dance team, and now it's like a, they might keep going forever. Knox signed long term now. I assume Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci are I, I not they, sticking around much longer, but it's it's something that I've said, and many people have said for years now like oh this is the last kick at the can and, <laughs> uh, i mean even if they i mean like they they gotta win this year but even if they don't i i i think their chances for next year assuming they keep back they bring back you know a lot of the players that they just brought in like orlov and hathaway and and bertuzzi 
mostly Orlov though, because because he's definitely been a huge part of their decor. Uh, if they bring Bragg. You know, most of the guys. Look, Krejci. I I do think this is his last year. I do think that he'll retire after this year. And but even so, like they can move Pavel Zaka to the second line center because he plays on the wing, but he's also a centerman. And and they they played him there when Krejci when they're giving him rest. And so yeah, they 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 still have a window. It's not like if if they don't yeah win this for year, sure. Like they have no chance the the year after. Like they're not going to just completely suck. They're just still going to be a solid team. It's just that. This year's their team is so good that they got to You feel like yeah, no, it, chance, yeah, like the time to do the, there's some years where it's like I mean this team is so good, but when you set a record like yeah. this for best season ever, basically, like the the pressure is sky high. See their, their so. roster, it's really really good. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's not the like the Montreal Canadiens in like the 80s where they had like nine Hall of Famers on their team. <laughs> it's, not yeah. like, it's not like that it's not that or even like yeah wait pretty much all time with the yeah. canadians like all those teams yeah i think the canadians still hold the points record one of those teams there it's um, not it's not like that 90s. team it's not like the you know early 21st century red, red wings when they had like eiserman yeah. and fedorov and all these other guys like it's not uh-huh. it's not that good but it is a very good team um with with the pieces that they have acquired uh at the deadline and then you know the guys that like guys like Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno, if they were to come back too, I mean they'll have like they'll have a, at least one legit player, maybe even two, being healthy scratches in the playoffs, which is just absurd. Yeah, no, I mean the Bruins are great this year, so definitely deserve to be the favorites going in. I mean, history isn't necessarily on their side. Oh, I mean, the ninety five, no. ninety six Red Wings and the, the eighteen nineteen Lightning. The next possible two months will be the most fun and excruciating. Uh, two uh, months of my life. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get that. So, uh, and even just like winning the President's Trophy is seems to be like a bad luck thing right. in the NHL. But uh, yeah, I think if the mindset is like this is cool, but we have so much more work to do, then that'll go a lot further. So, uh, I mean, I'll say I would much rather be in the Brewers' position than the Penguins' position right now because they're ninth place in the East with two games to go and. Schedule is in their favor, playing Chicago and Columbus, two worst teams in the league, but still need the Islanders or the Panthers to lose one of their remaining two games. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's not fun. I mean, look, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin played 80 games out of 80 this year. They've both been phenomenal point-per-game scorers, and the Penguins are still like this. It, it's just been a horrible, horrible season. And I think if you had to go, th- like, at least I'm of the mindset that each all three Pittsburgh teams have someone involved with them who can get out of town as fast as possible. Ron Hextall is number one by a mile because Seals defense is good enough that they can win games 20 to 17. Uh, I mean, the Pirates are the Pirates. Like, who cares who's the owner there? But Ron Hextall just completely destroyed this team, and it feels like he blew up any chance of Crosby and Malkin winning another cup, and it's really, really unfortunate. Yeah, so. uh, their days might be... It's slowly, but trending down, yeah. Yeah, no, they're definitely <laughs> heading in the wrong direction. But, Top six is still great. Do not have a third or fourth line, which is just un- unreal to me how that's possible. It sounds like the Bruins experience for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, the defense, like, it's, you know, Chris Letang, awesome, and a couple of other guys have been decent here and there, but they're just, and it's just, just like... And then for a time, it was McAvoy, and then just a bunch of guys that uh, <laughs> uh-huh. are just fine. Um 
Yeah. Yeah. One now, thing things nice have... about the standings uh-huh. for the East. Yeah. Uh, so the, it's so it's really down to three teams. Well, there are two teams that can clinch, and then three teams that well, one team's going to get eliminated, right? Yeah. Buffalo is. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. Um. Look, when it comes to the three teams that really have a shot, yeah, pro- Pittsburgh's probably the team that's out. But look, if there's a chance the Bruins could play the Islanders, it's just like the Heat <laughs> with the Celtics. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, I could see the Islanders making a run or not a run, but like possibly upsetting they're, the Bruins, which sounds crazy. They're a crazy. pesky team. Yeah. Well, they, it's, it's, they beat them two years ago. Yeah, they beat them two years ago in the playoffs, and they're a well-coached team, just like Miami, the Miami Heat, and. I could see that being a series, which sounds crazy, but because the Bruins are, have way more upside and are much better offensively, but the the Islanders yeah. are they got good uh, they got a good they play well defensively they play low scoring games and could frustrate the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everyone is saying like in terms of like those three teams, it feels like a lot of people are saying, "Oh, the watch out for the Penguins because like they have the most top talent." But I think the Islanders are yeah, like, I- the friskiest team. When it comes to the Bruins, if I were to rank it, who I'd who I'd least like to play to most want to play, it'd be the Islanders, then Penguins, and then the Panthers. I, I just yeah, think no the one Panthers takes the Panthers are, seriously. I think the I, I can't take them seriously at all. They're uh, they're a hockey team. They have, that plays they, have, in Miami. they have decent amount of talent, but they can't they can't even get out of the first round. It, I, I don't I don't. Yeah, I don't I don't see it with. Them. I mean, they finally did last year, and they got absolutely embarrassed by the Lightning. Right. So. Yeah. I, I just I don't believe in that team like at all. Like at least at least with the Penguins, yes, they're not the same team as they were, you know, six seven years ago. But but they still have their star players and and it's, they're still factors and mm-hmm. and can can put up a fight. Um, yeah, I mean, at their best, the Penguins have been a really good team this year. They did you know take a, the Bruins to a, a really close four three finish a week ago, but yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah. rooting for the I'm rooting for the Islanders to win their last two games. <laughs> they end up as a seven seed. Yeah, end up as yeah. a seven seed and play. I think it's Carolina. Yeah, it'd be yeah, Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, or I New don't Jersey. know. Or New Jersey or right. New York. The Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers. The, that whole, I uh, worry about. I, I, yeah. For whatever reason, they don't they don't play well versus the Bruins at all. But I still think that they have so much talent that they acquired. I thought they were gonna. I had them as the Cup winner, and that was before they acquired. Kane and Tarasenko, <laughs> so and if they put it all together, like they would definitely put up a fight versus the Bruins if they were to meet each other in the East Finals. Yeah, I think the Rangers are a bit of a sleeping giant. I mean, even the Lightning are a team that you cannot, you can yeah, never I, just completely I, overlook them. So, see, I, I think I think Toronto's they have been the better team this year, but I'd still rather face them than it's, the Lightning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you can't take the Maple Leafs seriously until they finally prove that they can yeah. win a playoff series. The o- so. the O'Reilly trade worries me. I mean, we saw in the Cup uh, years ago where he dominated, uh, especially like the him versus Bergeron matchup. Like Ber- Bergeron was a complete no show, and O'Reilly won the Smythe. So that worries mm-hmm. me a little bit. But I don't know. Toronto's always a choking team, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I I totally agree. So, um, definitely looking forward to the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'll look forward even more if the Penguins are in it, but it still should be an exciting, fun two months. Um, and then uh, speaking of things to look forward to, I was really looking forward to baseball season. And the first week of the year, 
was surprisingly pretty good. So like this past weekend, I was like, I am not going out and doing anything. I need a break post Vegas in addition to other traveling and experiences I've had. And like Augusta, I mean, the weather in Raleigh was pretty much the same, just unusually cold and rainy. So it was a great weekend to just stay inside, play video games, watch a ton of sports. And I was really enjoying watching the Pirates. Like they swept the Red Sox in Fenway, winning to opening day. Things were looking great. McCutcheon his first game back, like all this exciting stuff and everything was like, oh, this Pirates team might actually be really fun this year. And then Sunday, O'Neill Cruz shatters his ankle and reminder that Pirates fans can't have good things and all hopes and dreams are dead for me. <laughs> like I said, anytime you mention the Pirates, it's just the, it's just a... It's just depressing. It's yeah, no, it is. It's very depressing. And it's just like of of all the guys that got hurt, like literally the the one who like represents the most promise and potential to maybe make you know the pirates super relevant and exciting. And now he's according to the team had successful ankle surgery, won't return to action for four months. I don't know what that means. If that means rehab, actually playing in Pittsburgh, what? But yeah, that's a brutal blow. I mean, the team started six and three. I, did you see the play he got hurt on? Yeah, so I I think I don't blame the the Pirates players for being mad and you know possibly starting a fight. But I think that play was more unfortunate than dirty. And I, I agree. think because of the you know the Buster Posey thing, the uh-huh. incident, there there have been enforced rules uh, for for plays that happen at home plate. Uh, that favor the catcher now more than the runner yep. and then now you see the runner get hurt yeah uh-huh. maybe a cause for concern yeah but I, but in terms of the play itself like do i think it was dirty like no it I just, was i, I think I, it was I think more unfortunate than, than it was an awkward slide by it was Cruz awkward yeah. caused by you know and it's not errant throw but it was a high throw like there was a lot of things that were in play there uh i think the the whole reaction from carlos santana that led to the benchers clear ball was because of sebi zavala the white Sox backup catcher getting in Cruz's face and be like what the fuck was that bitch or something like that and he's like dude he's literally writhing in pain right now grabbing his legs so that's why Santana got in there which again I I love the leadership of Santana in that situation I think that there's still reason to be excited about you know what the direction the Pirates are going in but without O'Neill Cruz like it's just like okay there's only so much to really look forward to right now so and they just swept the Red Sox at Fenway too so I mean I know the Red Sox swept the Tigers but it's not like Boston is looking like that much better I know it's no, a nice, the nice little series awful. in Detroit but I mean, yeah the, 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 the Pirates are awful too so they're uh, they're better I don't, I don't I know what's they're think better than the Tigers but oh actually so the, the Red Sox are playing the Rays right now Rays are 9-0 and they won every Rays game by 4 plus runs uh, it's 0-0 zero, zero going into the 7th so Red Sox pitching is at least playing well in this one shutting down a very good lineup but yeah i don't know i um <laughs> i'm not yeah, fully given up on her too yeah so. oh yeah right and i'm duvall's out so like yeah two two huge two teams with uh just 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 depressing gonna have depressing seasons and both of their <laughs> i don't want to say best player but like top yeah, players still, yeah are, are now hurt uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I I still think Brian Reynolds is the best player on the Pirates, and they should uh, make the fans feel better about O'Neill Cruz getting hurt by paying the man because he just won NL Player of the Week, and he is killing it right now. And it's very another frustrating thing about the Pirates that they can't even sign their best player to a contract extension. So, yeah. Anyway, I mean, uh, you know, 
still 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 gonna love baseball still like that it means spring is here and hope and optimism but it's a good it's a good sports time of the year for sure yeah no i love it and games are flying by yeah when it comes to baseball (laughs) yeah it's obviously fourth on my list uh when it comes to the four major sports but yeah uh but it's still a good time of the year and i like that baseball games are much uh quicker now and there's more action and again it's not like i'm fully back in it's a it's a step in the right direction like i mentioned before Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think it has been overall more fun to watch and it's been nice seeing you know at bats go by quicker you know pitchers moving faster batters moving faster and i think it overall makes the product better with all these rule changes so yep all right and then the last topic you know speaking of kind of unfortunate things uh as a Swifty, how do you feel about uh, Taylor Swift and Joel Alwyn breaking up? <laughs> We're gonna get another great album. That's what. That's what. You're, you're that's right. What's you're right. That is probably the better way to look at it. So, she is the Tom Brady of music because she creates <laughs> haters out of thin air. I know Kenny's gonna hate that comparison, but I don't care. She creates haters out of thin air, like Tom Brady, and and those haters give her fuel to put out the best product <laughs> yeah deliver, yeah you're right just that like is, tom I, brady <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had no idea who joe alwyn was before this see like, i knew I that she I, was in a relationship had no I, idea who she was yeah dating. i i knew that that was her that was her significant other's name but like i don't know like who the guy is really i, I read his wikipedia i was like i've heard of none of these movies he's been in He's like a British oh, like, I, actor. I, yeah. If I if I were to look through his Wikipedia and, and look through filmography, I'd I'd imagine I'll have the same opinion. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how you found out about this, but I found out about them breaking up by pulling up the Twitter trending pages and being like, huh, why is Pete Davidson trending right now? Would be hilarious. Like that, of all that, of all the that people, would be pretty funny. Yeah, I did. I did have a thought. It's like, man, we we should have done like top five funniest people that Taylor Swift could start dating now. When, Pete Davidson when, would when have it, to be number one. Like when it, yeah, when it comes to Pete Davidson, at first I like I hated this guy. Like, how is this guy so famous? And but then with all the women that he you know ends up being with part of me is just like all right like now i kind of respect this guy <laughs> it's hard not to he, he yeah self-deprecating just... humor and apparently he's got that bd energy so I yeah can see why women like him now <laughs> they, they, yeah they they love him and i mean it, i think like dating kim kardashian as soon as her and kanye ending things was very funny but then also just like going after taylor swift and just making that be a thing like especially with how much love like swifties have for her i just think that would just break the internet Uh, if that were to happen i i I didn't i did not like pete davidson at all at first but it's it's kind of not a point where like i kind of respect this guy now (laughs) but i I don't don't... (laughs) what's the the shack meme like i'm sorry i wasn't familiar with your game (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah uh, yeah, the, yeah that's exactly what i would say about pete davidson like yeah the shack meme uh, i wasn't familiar with your game my bad like now i, uh, I get it <laughs> yeah so anyway that's but our now, uh, we're, now we're gonna get an awesome album in a, in a yeah you're year right or two. so i'd say so I'm very good chance it. of that yeah no I, I think you're right that should be how to look at it It's it's been a while since we've had this she just has to like rewrite her old song so it's, now we, it's, we get some good new it's ones it's funny that uh taylor swift and jennifer aniston they're they're two of my favorite female celebrities and 
you know, they they, they don't have success in terms of uh, staying <laughs> with one guy. <laughs> and, uh-huh. uh, and Fire Me wonders, like, does that mean that they're? I I don't know what that means. Like, if if they're if, they're, if that's always going to be the case, or if like, I don't know. I don't know what to think of that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, side note, I'll talk about Taylor Swift. It took a little while, but I think Antihero is like really growing on me. I I, I love Antihero. I love I, it like, now. When, so I remember when we did like the best of, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. like yeah, I guess by default I'll pick this album, but it's really just Antihero and a few. There's a few other songs I kind of like on that album, but it's really Antihero for me. Yeah, I don't think I've listened to a full Taylor Swift album since 1989. I was like, all right, I love this one. That's that's good for me. I know all the songs on it. But yeah, now at this point, uh, like I, I've just heard it too much. And I was like, you know what? I, I like this one. Yeah, um, it, it's sad that I have a, a decent amount of CDs. And I mean, obviously, Sp- no, I, I have Spotify. And so I already yeah. had like a bunch of them. But I even have some of her CDs. Do you have, do you have Midnights in, in hard copy? Uh no, I do not. I, I don't <laughs> have the Can you even buy albums anymore? Like, is that a thing you can do? I feel I mean, like I, it has to be, but I, 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 I don't mean, know. I don't like the, you know, like the big album or like just the CD. Yeah, well, you can definitely still buy yeah, like vinyl records and stuff. I, but, like, I, I can don't you just get that. like a I mean, CD? It's really, that's really for decoration or, or anything. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. More than anything, but no, I don't uh, buy or that. If but you have, in terms like, of CDs, I mean, like hers, but really no. Like, I just have my Spotify and uh, have. Yeah, I mean you know, that's that's a, all you hundreds need. Hundreds of songs on my playlist. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that there's a reason to buy CDs, like especially just like the artists making off money off the street. See, there services. there are things where I'm like I'm old fashioned, but then there are things like that where I'm like, yeah, this is one where I agree with in terms of new technology. <laughs> like, I just 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 give me Spotify nine ninety nine a month or whatever it is, and and then let me have all my songs in my playlist, and it's yeah. just super easy with that. That's that's good to know. I'm glad that you're you're a fan of modern listening to music. So, <laughs> I gotta be. I gotta have something uh, uh-huh. that I agree with in terms of modern times. Yeah. All right. So that'll do it for this one. Um, I don't know that we're gonna be every single week during the playoffs, but I, I do at least want to try. Barring me just being physically incapable of recording a podcast or, you know, other life instances getting in the way. But, uh, you know, as long as, you know, we have teams alive in the playoffs, I'm sure we we'll got be two different sports to talk too. About them. Mm-hmm. Got the draft coming up too. Yep. Of course. Yeah. So there's plenty to talk about this time of year. April is very much one of my favorite sports. Yeah. It, year, it's, so. it's my personal favorite. Number one for me. I know some I'm people o- say October. I'm but, an October but, guy, but, uh, I, I'm you don't have eight, NFL in October. Yeah, but you got the draft. You got you got. I guess you got right, drama. Yeah. You got yeah. <laughs> so NFL yeah. plays a part at some to some extent. So yeah, April True. for me. Yeah, number one. That's fair. So, but October All probably right. is second for me. Though. Yeah, yeah. I think I have them reverse. So, all right. Uh, for my co-host Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone.